0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. <clears throat> there are two principal agricultural parables that Jesus taught that describe the spiritual life. There's the parable of the wheat and the tares, which was our gospel a couple of weeks ago. It describes the nature of evil. And today we have the, the parable of the sower and the seed, which describes spiritual growth. These agricultural parables describe the Christian life in a unique way because they are organic. They describe how things grow and thus describe how the life of God that is planted within each of us grows. Jesus used agricultural parables because these examples were all around him. However, parables that are organic in nature are essential to understanding the Christian life and it isn't just that jesus taught that way because he had them around him he taught that way because uh, organic parables describe the nature of spiritual growth and reality because we often lack organic points of reference our understanding of the spiritual life is handicapped we live in a consumer rather than an agrarian economy thus we tend Just to imbibe, as we live in the culture around us, we tend to think of the spiritual life in consumer terms. We think of spiritual growth or spiritual progress in terms of satisfied consumer desire, rather than in terms of spiritual fruitfulness as described in today's parable. But Jesus did not say a man went out to sell product. He said, a sower went out to sow seed. Our characteristic way of thinking presents a bigger spiritual problem than we may really be aware of. We often struggle in the spiritual life because we tend to think of the spiritual life in terms of our subjective emotional states. And we tend to focus on very short-term horizons as a result. The parable of the sower and the seed points us to things that produce fruit over the long run. But things that produce fruit over the long run may be painful and even emotionally disconcerting in the short term. The parable tells us the sower scatters seed across a variety of ground. And the soil in the parable represents the human heart in its various conditions. A seed cannot germinate and begin to grow on very hard ground, and the word of God cannot take root in a very hard heart. In the very hardest of hearts, the devil eliminates faith at the very beginning before it even starts. This represents the way that spiritual evil makes Faith seem implausible and impossible to those who are considering it, how one could never believe it or one could never follow through on the things it demands, and so there's not even an attempt to begin the spiritual life. Once the seed begins to grow, there are various obstacles to growth. A heart may be soft enough for the word of God to take initial root, but it still may contain deep desires for other things that we are not willing to let go of. Thus, after an initial season of enthusiasm about the faith, these other things resurface and begin to thwart the growth of the Word of God in us. And then, then there is the rocky soil. That's the rocky soil. Then there are the external threats. Just as thorns and weeds compete, with good seed for space to grow the nutrients the ground provides, so the life of God in us competes with various other things that claim our affection. And when they, the word of God competes unsuccessfully, our growth is thwarted there as well. In these three categories that Jesus gives us, we can identify what we call, or what is called historically, the enemies of the soul the world, the flesh, and the devil. The world refers to the external temptations that draw us away from God, the things that become idols in our lives. In the parable, this is represented by the thorns. The flesh refers to our disordered internal desires, the part of us that is drawn to all the things that the world offers us. This is represented in the parable by the seed on the rocky soil. And Jesus identifies the devil by name. He is the bird that snatches the seed away. This highlights the fact that the devil is not really interested in temptation per se. The devil is interested in temptation only in as much as he can use it to undermine our faith. And these three enemies conspire. The external lures play on our internal desires, and the devil is the cheerleader before, and then once we give in, he is the tempter and the accuser afterwards to make us feel guilty, ashamed, afraid, and condemned. The first step in the spiritual battle is to be aware that these enemies are present and active in our lives. And here we can contrast uh, the horticultural and the consumer models. As consumers, we tend to think that we should get what we want. Religion, then, can become a means of enlisting God's help to get the things that we want. And if God does not give us the things that we want, this can become a ground of our complaint against God. The horticultural analogy reminds us that some of the things we want aren't really good for us and actually undermine our spiritual growth. And what we really need to do is put to death or crucify that desire and to remove from our lives the sources of temptation that draw that desire, uh, that draw the, 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 you know, fire up that desire. In the spiritual battle, we must pay particular attention to the contrast between the short-term and the long-term. What we want, what we think we want in the short-term often makes us miserable over the long-term. It doesn't really fill our deepest desire. And and the pursuit of what we really want over the long-term Invariably, if we really get at what God has placed in our hearts, the pursuit of what we want over the long term will require of us some short-term deprivation and pain. Agriculture aims at the longer term. The consumer part of us, what we might call our spoiled little inner child, focuses on satisfaction of short-term desires and that too frequently governs our religion. The short-term focus is the cause of human slavery to sin and death. We pursue temporal things as the goal of life with the assumption that when we get them, they will make us happy. When we get them and they do not make us happy, or they make us happy in a fleeting and shallow way, We wonder, well, what's the problem? We decide, well, we just didn't get enough of it, or we didn't get it quite the right way, or there's some other thing we really need. So we double down on the effort to pursue temporal things in the hopes that they will make us happy. And this is the human condition. We get stuck pursuing temporal things that can never really fulfill us, but we never stop pursuing them. And this is the futility and despair of the human condition. The answer is to begin to orient our lives towards the end of union with God in Christ through the Holy Spirit. And to see temporal things, to learn to look at every temporary thing in our lives in terms of its eternal value or its eternal danger to us. And then we must become spiritual farmers softening the hard hearts, uh, the soil of our hearts, through fasting, removing from our lives the thorns that compete with the love of God, and living a life for prayer that continually reorients our lives away from time and towards eternity. These are the things to pay attention to in this season of pre-Lent when we're looking at our lives and examining what will be the focus of the Lenten fast. In what ways are our desires disordered? How are our hearts hardened? How does it need to be uh, softened up through fasting? Does the world have too strong a hold on us? What things do we need to detach ourselves from? And how do we need to become more generous, which is the essential way we remove the temptation of the world, is rather than to pursue it more, to give it away, to develop a freedom from it. And how is your life of prayer? We are cultivating longer-term fruitfulness, not merely short-term satisfaction. And thus we must work at being spiritual farmers and not spiritual consumers. As Jesus said, quote, that on the good ground are they who, with an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.